Melbourne is emerging from its COVID lockdown. That means the doors to Racefield's retail sales are reopened. Come and pick up drums of our renowned racing fuels or bring your own drum for Bowser sales. As always, we can deliver direct to Melbourne Metro. Visit Racefuels at our Dandenong South headquarters or contact us for more details. Two of the very best operators marked up in the garage. Wow. This has been coming for a long time. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as always. Red flag, this is a suspended uh, race. And welcome back to the Parked Up Podcast. We're powered by the race fields. My name is Grant Rowley. And with me as always is Tony Dalberto, who joins me on the line from his home. And he, you, you were just unwrapping some little gifts in the back there, I think for your simulator. Tony, do you realise we're, we're, not, we're not really parked up anymore? We don't need to use the simulator. What's going on? <laughs> Hey Grant, great to uh, be back on the show this week. We've got a great show to uh, to talk about. But yeah, you caught me. I was just um, just unwrapping my uh, a new steering wheel from Hybrid Racing Simulations. Uh, Brett has hooked me up with a new wheel, and I've just got uh, hooked on this this sim racing. And uh, it's like car racing in many ways. You just keep uh, getting better and better equipment. So looking forward to trying out this new steering wheel to see if it will make me uh, a better sim racer um they talk about direct drive and giving the driver a bit better feel and hopefully that translates to a little bit of lap time as well well when i say a little bit i need quite a bit grant <laughs> you still need quite a bit <laughs> I've look, I've seen your sim, and it's a uh, it is an absolute piece of art. I don't know how you keep your little uh, toddlers off the thing without destroying it. It is actually based down in with all of the other kids' toys, so it is like the kids' room, isn't it? Certainly is, and I'm a big kid, obviously. But yeah, my bike's down there as well, and and even when I was away for Bathurst during the quarantine, all that sort of stuff for the for that month, I came back. And the sim still looked pristine, like the kids hadn't touched it. But little Huey doesn't mind trying to get on there and pull the gear stick and, uh, you know, try and climb a board. So I don't know how pristine it will look forever, but it is, it has come up really well. It's amazing what you can achieve in lockdown when, uh, when you still want to go racing. Yep. So uh, are you, have you joined any online leagues or, or have you done anything like that? Or are you just like, just solo laps around different tracks in different cars. It's funny because you spend so much time setting the sim up and fine tuning your steering or your pedals or just trying to get a better setup on the car that you don't actually spend that much time racing the thing. So, so it's I'm just doing that. It phase. is a toy for you. It's a toy. It is a toy. Yeah. Yeah. It ticks the box of tinkering on race cars. Cool. Without the risk of ever damaging it, unless Hugh um, uh, spews up on it or something. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. But uh, yeah, enjoying it. I'm looking forward to getting this wheel on and uh, seeing what that can do for me. All right, cool. I thought we'd be we'd been done with computer games, but clearly we are not. You're just getting started. All right, so this episode of uh, of Parked Up, it's uh, as always powered by our great friends at the Race Fuels, and uh, and we've got a cool show coming up. Last week, we actually went through every single Supercars team to talk about where they're at with their uh, drivers for 2021. It's a uh, it's a pretty busy, silly season out there, and there's been a couple of key confirmations which we'll talk about in the news, which is just coming up uh, soon, and. 
for the very first time, I'm actually doing my the podcast from my home. There's no internet at my office today. And I've just seen a giant spider walking across the, uh, the brick wall right in front of me. And I would want to burn the house down. I think it's time for me to get out. It's a sign. It's Have a you sign got the only... Christmas tree up too? All I can see is flashing lights in the background. I get the Embar- police there. Embarrassingly, my wife, dear, gave the kids the keys to the Christmas tree box and allowed the Christmas tree to go up. Very, Very embarrassingly, November 8th was when that thing went up. It went up on Sunday wow. and way too early, way too early. I was giving her some stick about the Easter bunny coming shortly and, and uh, you know, we've, we've got to get ready for Queen's birthday next June or whatever. <laughs> like uh, she didn't appreciate those jokes, but um uh, anyway, the kids the kids love it, and uh, my little my littlest young Georgia just uh, loves the lights. She uh, she thinks it's great, so it's definitely going to feel like a long time. But uh, from uh, when tree went up before uh, Santa actually comes flying down the old Christmas tree, but um, uh, anyway, you know what? When the wife says let's do this, <laughs> and uh, and then I started um, uh, trying to give some reasons why we shouldn't do it. Um, yeah. The tree was already up. That's right. You can see who now, won that battle. Now, when we spoke last time, uh, you were starting to feel a little bit crook last week, and that sort of continued during the week. You've uh, been a bit unwell this week. Yeah, a little bit, uh, a little bit snotty and a bit throaty. So definitely not the COVIDs. COVID free since '93, so no stress there. But um, I just did uh, get slide tackled a little bit by some by some illness, so uh, I couldn't come out and do my uh, my big weigh in that I was meant to do mm. to see uh, how many kgs I'd lost in our uh, reaction performance uh, weight loss challenge or or toning up challenge that that you'd set me <laughs> six weeks ago. So I get an extra week up my sleeve to get my um to get the weight right down even more but i'm confident by the time i get to the end of this uh, sort of six or seven week uh deal as as it's been that um there's probably five kilos that's that's going to come off so um oh, that'd be a good result that's be uh, right that's not too bad that's not too bad and uh i tell you what the uh the the i, I have really enjoyed doing the uh the, the boosting the exercise and just um watching the little bits of stuff that i've been eating but uh the i spoke to lee stimation from uh, reaction performance so uh, he's the one who sort of guided myself through this and of course he was the one who helped you get uh ready and set to jet for the for the bathish 1000 which you put a which you put a premium uh emphasis on and um came up uh came up with some nice rewards there fourth place in the great race so uh whatever you did clearly worked so uh, I, I spoke to him about it and he was actually quite, uh, I thought that he was going to rib me for missing the, the training session, but, but he, he did say that the uh, things that the, the output doing the actual exercise is really important, but the recovery is, is just as important. And if I went out there and tried to exercise with, uh, you know, blocked nose, sore throat, not only mm. am I risking other people getting sick, but I'm also just delaying my own recovery from from the illness. So he was uh, complimentary of me for missing the session. So um, weird. Uh, that was a little that that felt a little bit odd. I thought he was going to uh, harass me about it, but um, there we go. Now we did we did have a really good session on Saturday. Um, I did try and even up the score a little bit and carry a weight vest. 
So I had a 10 kilo weight vest. Mate, you wouldn't need to, to um, catch up to me. You would put, need to put more than 10 on. Yeah. So we've got about probably what 25 kilos between us, but just having that 10 kilo weight vest made a huge difference to my training. Like I felt zapped from it. Um, just, you know, not used to carrying that extra 10 kg, still trying to pump out the, the workout and keep up with the young blokes. We had Aaron Cameron there as well, obviously a TCR driver. And he was running around like uh, trying to beat me in all the activities. And uh, with that 10 kilo weight vest, it certainly made it a hell of a lot more challenging. So I think I might do that a little bit more often because when I took it off, I took it off right at the end when we we're doing some sprint stuff and I felt a million bucks. I couldn't yep. believe the difference. So although you're going to lose it gradually, um, <laughs> to be able to just drop it off uh, made, a, made a massive difference. So I think if I can train with it and sort of get used to it a little bit, Maybe I'll get a bit stronger. And so quite interesting little activity there. It was, it was bloody hard. I used to play a lot of rugby league and rugby union as I, when I was a kid growing up in New South Wales. And they used to bring out the medicine ball during training sessions and we'd, we'd throw around a medicine ball or whatever as, as part of the session. Then you'd pick up the footy and kick that around or, or pass it around or use it for a game. And it felt as light as a feather when you, yep. uh, when you picked it up, you felt like you were a Superman when you had the, <laughs> the rugby ball in your hand. So I kind of understand uh, what you feel like, but I don't really under, or, but I definitely do understand what you feel like because I carry around that extra weight all the time, mm, but mm. I'm trying to get rid of it. So yeah. Anyway, now, but, before we get we'll on to the news though, before we get into the news, I just want to give everybody a bit of an insight into some of the results we saw from our in-body scan. Now, it does sound a bit strange, and I'll probably let you actually explain what an in-body scan is because I'll get it wrong. But effectively, you're, you, you <laughs> no, know, you're standing... No rubber gloves were, uh, <laughs> were needed for an in-body scan. Effectively, you're standing on some scales, and it, it ends up divvying up your, your body composite um, letting you know how much you know, fat you've got, how much muscle you've got. And I did a scan probably back in May, uh, and so did Steph, my wife. And that sort of set a bit of a baseline for us. And then I did one when I was in Brisbane, and I'd improved slightly. So my aim was to drop a little bit of fat, um, but actually gain a bit of muscle. And I'd done that. I dropped a bit of fat, which was great, but I still hadn't quite got to the, the goals that I was looking for. Anyway, so we thought we'd do another body scan on Saturday, last Saturday. And again, I dropped a bit, bit more body fat and gained a little bit more muscle. I'm getting really, really close to my goals now, Grant. So I was pretty stoked with that one because I haven't actually done a lot of training since I got back from Bathurst. I've ticked over, but nothing too meaningful. But the big result though, Grant, was Stephanie, my wife. She's been eating really well training consistently with Lee on the app. So doing all uh, at home workouts herself, uh, doing the odd boot camp session as well with Lee. And since May, she dropped almost 10 kilos, 9.5 kilos. Amazing. Um, yeah. Huge, huge result for her. So she was absolutely wrapped, um, but she's put the hard work in, you know, there's, there's no doubt about that. And she was, um, you know, I suppose only five months clear of having a baby. So she was probably carrying a couple extra that she didn't need um, yep. from, from the baby. But yeah, she's done an incredible job to get herself nice and trim uh, leading into summer. So she's absolutely wrapped. 
Here we go. Summer bod. I like it. Uh, Nat, she's, she's definitely looking good. I saw some photos on the reaction performance social medias with her pushing uh, pushing the pram around, using that as part of her exercises, doing some lunges and some some other bits. So I um, must admit it's, it's chaos. It's chaos at boot camp when you got both kids and both of us trying to train, keep them entertained as well. Um, we probably ended up running around almost twice as much as everybody else looking after <laughs> the kids. Mate, that is part of the deal. So, um, so look, I'm looking forward to uh, doing my uh, second in-body scan for next week. That is uh, going to sort of conclude this challenge that you guys had sent me to get rid of some of this uh, COVID custard that's been sitting around bits that I don't need it to sit on. I, I, when I did my first scan, I was at uh, 95.2 kg. Uh, and yeah, so sort of hopeful of uh, getting down into the nineties or maybe even into, uh, into the uh, very high eighties. That will be the, uh, that'll be the key, but we'll see that is, uh, that is next week. And uh, yes, without um, ramming the reaction performance stuff down our listeners throats, they've been, they they, they do such a great job. They help get Tony in tune for the Bathurst 1000, having done absolutely no racing, no match fitness. Mm. And to be able to go there and, be as competitive as you were fourth overall in the great race. Uh, it showed that, you know, you, you had your, your mind and body in the right place. And, and uh, Lee certainly helped play a role there. And, um, and now for, for me, I'm not an athlete, I'm not uh, aiming to race in any great race, but you know, helping me achieve some, some goals. So uh, they're based out we're, we're lucky enough that, the, that they're based down here just around us, but uh, they, they look after guys, all across the country uh, with the programs that they run. So um, uh, just go and search reaction performance into uh, any search engine that you like and, uh, and you'll find Lee Stimation and his team and they'll help you get absolutely summer ready. So <laughs> let's go. Let's, uh, let's check out some news. Let's do it. Okay, so this is the news, and the news is brought to us by motorsportwebsites.com.au. They offer bespoke website design and branding services. And one of the best things that I reckon has come out of uh, their great support of Parked Up is that one of our listeners, one of our very, very regular listeners, Tony, Jackie Carroll, got her website just recently built and published so ladies in automotive.com.au has been built by the motorsport websites team it looks awesome we thank jackie for her support and we also thank uh, we thank jackie even more for supporting those who support us right in the news last week we went through every single supercars team and sort of gave everyone a bit of an update about where Teams were at in terms of their regular drivers for the 2021 season. There's a lot going on. It is one of the silliest seasons that we've that we've seen, and the worst kept rumor of uh, 2020 was uh, finally um, confirmed with Will Davison and Anton De Pasquale confirmed at Dick Johnson Racing, a new look Dick Johnson Racing for 2021. Tony, this is the team that you've been involved with. For the past five years, two brand new drivers, and it's kind of funny seeing uh, uh, two drivers, uh, not Fabian and not Scott, wearing those, uh, wearing the team gear. What's your take? Yeah, I mean, there was obviously a lot of chat about it for a long time. Um, so much chat, 
so little confirmation from the team that you started to actually doubt whether it was actually true. It just went on and on and on and on. Not a surprise to to me, but um, you know, I found out the news when everyone else did. And I think, you know, Will and and Anton are going to be a great little partnership there at DJR. Um, that youth and experience, I think, uh, is is going to be a good mix. Uh, Will's not new to DJR; he's obviously been there before. So there's probably most of the team probably still there where when he when he drove there um, to begin with. So. I think, uh, you know, they'll come out of the block strong. The cars are going to be good. We know that. The team's got a heap of momentum on their side. And Anton, you know, he's a guy that's obviously on the rise. He's young. He's hungry. He's got a huge amount of talent as well. So he'll go really well. It'll be interesting to see if there's going to be a clear leader in the team. Um, I don't think so. I think it's going to be pretty evenly matched. And it'll be interesting to see who actually gets on top of the Mustang quicker than the other. Perhaps will... Will. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Hey, you um, so when, when Davo was trying to uh, get into Formula One, he ran a, a, um, like a, a bit of a supporters group or a, uh, or a fundraising campaign to try and to raise money for him to go and race in the junior leagues to uh, build up towards, towards Formula One. And the promotional slogan that they used for it was called, um, I will, will you? That was it. <laughs> there was actually T-shirts. I think I used to have a, a I will, will you T-shirt. Cool. There you go. <laughs> Thanks I, for that one. No worries. Will, will. We've got it. Um, okay. So look, the other, uh, the other major DJR confirmation was uh, Ludo Lacroix, the technical director, confirming that he will stay on for 2021. Now, none of the the, the actual correspondence from the team was pretty short about it it was uh, just a short little video piece that ludo had had put together with, with the team it confirmed that he's staying on for 2021 now he was scott's engineer for the past few years uh, but also playing a, a leading role in the development of the mustang which came on stream for the 2019 season so we've got new regs coming, Tony, for the 2022 season. So, all, and DJR has already been confirmed as the homologation team for Ford and the creation of the Gen 3 Mustang. I'd imagine that Ludo is going to play a huge role in that. Do you, do you think that he'll still have time to dedicate to being race day engineer? Or do you think he'll um, not attend that many races and just play more of a backseat role while he gets the the new Gen 3 Mustang online? I'm unsure. I mean, I'm guessing like everybody else is, but I think it's a it's a great thing for the team to retain Ludo. He's got a huge amount of knowledge and he has done a great job at uh, transforming that team into, you know, championship winning team. There's no doubt about that. The, when he rocked up, um, he made the cars faster. It's as simple as that. So uh, he, he played a massive role in the development of the Mustang. And then Gen 3, I think that would be smart to get him to oversee all the work that goes into that. I mean, they've got some really clever engineers at DJR. Um, so it's not just, you know, run by Ludo. But I think personally, um, you've got some clever engineers there that could be race engineers. And uh, Ludo could afford to maybe step back a little bit. And this is a great chance to do that. But we'll just have to see, wait and see what happens. You know, Rich Harris has basically been the guy on the radio making a lot of the calls anyway to Car17. 
Um, and then you've got Mark Fenny on, on car 12 um, and Brad Eyes. So they're, they're you know, a huge, huge amount of experience in, in just those three guys. Um, and I'm sure um, we can actually have a couple of the other junior engineers come and sort of be data engineers and back up the race engineers on the weekend. So we'll see what happens, but I reckon Ludo would play a really good role in overseeing everything rather than being uh, in the mix on race weekend. All right. Well now all the DJR cards are on show and we know what they've got and they were the, the kingpins effectively in that uh, in the silly season. So so we know what they're doing. So the next group of focus turns to, strangely, a guy who has nine years left on a contract. It's David Reynolds, who's contracted to drive for Erebus um, for another nine years. I think he'd be like 44 by the time that uh, <laughs> contract expires. But it's it, as we discussed last time, we won't go into too much detail because um, we, we did dive into it heavily and a lot of the other publications have, have talked about it as well. But yeah, there, there looks like there's uh, there is change. And at the moment, everything is pointing Reynolds towards a return to Kelly racing. Uh, he did a, he did a season there back in uh, 2011. So that's a that he's the next kingpin and and once he drops and i think you'll find all of the other seats around him fill up relatively quickly yeah uh definitely there's a lot more talk about david moving from erebus obviously now anton's gone as well so it looks like erebus are going to have a, a brand new lineup we already know will brown is there but it will as we spoke about last week depend on what castrol do uh, and whether or not David can fit into that team. Um, if Castrol is still there, who knows? But um, yeah, I think it's a great seat. I think he would go really well there. It's a sort of family run team. And I think that suits him. And he also has, has, has driven there before as well. So he's got uh, a bit of a background there. And I don't reckon it's going to be too far away before we're going to know that, that news. Yeah, so um, so once that drops, then we'll have uh, some clarity, and then we get into the real news, Tony, which is all about the endurance drivers, of course. Right? That's that's what uh, that's, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> so um, yeah, if uh, yeah, Reynolds at uh, Kelly's with um, Rick Kelly as co-driver sounds amazing, but there is some chat out there about Rick actually. Will he drive with his own team or with the family team, or will he go drive uh, somewhere else? So, if uh, the Castro has been a, a long-time supporter of uh, of, of Kelly Racing, um, and it sort of culminated in uh, Rick being the the full Castro man for the last uh, couple of years in those great-looking Nissan Altimas, um, and then this year in the in the Ford Mustang. The other Ford team that has a strong Castro connection is Tickford. So um, I reckon. So what are you saying? What well, you what saying? I'm saying is if, if Rick doesn't drive for his own team, mm. then I reckon the easiest slot that you could uh, chuck him at is, uh, is, is driving for another Melbourne based Ford team, but uh, just not the one he owns. Maybe go drive over there. And uh, seriously, he becomes the number. If he is on the market, he is the number one, draft pick given that he's got so much experience um mm. he's only just fresh out of uh full-time driving so yeah like a, a rick kelly cam waters uh combo what do you reckon about that 
I think it's definitely got legs. There's no doubt about that. I don't want to speculate too much, but as we mentioned last week, I think Tickford have got too many drivers for the amount of seats they've got available as well. So if I, if I, um, if one of their drivers was available, I would think that's a better fit than, than Rick, but um, yeah, I mean, Ricky's going to be one of the freshest drivers on the market. You're forgetting about my mate though. You're forgetting about my mate, Fabian. Oh, Fabian. Fabian. Yeah, he hasn't got, he hasn't, well, that we know of anyway, got a home just yet. So He's what? uh he'd be a very good co-driver too, man. He would, yeah, he would not be too bad, I guess. Yep. But th- I think I think the co-driver thing is will will probably get uh, sorted out a little bit later on. I think I there's think... too many main seats and yeah things to sort out just yet before people are worried about one race uh, in October next year. Yeah, and what do you think? So uh, the supercars calendar, uh, as we understood, was meant to come out. Um, uh, as early as today, uh, Tuesday, but um, but as these things go, they uh, don't always uh, uh, come out on time. But I think the um, the the reason I mention that is that um, it's it's not going to be too long. I reckon I reckon Wednesday or Thursday at latest we're going to see some calendars drop for supercars. So, do you expect just one endurance race? Do you expect just like? 2020 the Bathurst 1000 to be the only two driver race that's what I've heard and they anticipate the following year to maybe go back to two potentially but that's speculation so it's a, it's a little bit of a shame you know I think there's the opportunity to do at least two enduros I think it really does add something to the championship um, I mean I'm biased because I'm a co-driver but uh, I think it does add you know an element to, to the race rather than just having sprint races all year but I think it's going to be a reduced calendar. I don't think we're going to see 16 rounds or anything like that. But uh, yeah, we should see it very, very soon. Well, that's all the supercars news and rumours and uh, all the things that we do and don't know. Uh, But there's one person who isn't in the rumour mill and it's Nick Perkat. And he has some very interesting news that he can exclusively reveal to us today. So Tony, let's grab him on the line. And it's great to welcome Nick Perkat back onto the Parked Up podcast. This is the second time that we've had Nick on. But uh, Nick, I'll let you tell this story. You've actually just made a purchase, a purchase of historical significance. So um, so what have you got coming into your garage? Um, I've managed to source my 2009 Australian Formula Ford car that I used, the championship winning car. Um, and for, you know, obviously we're all very attached to cars that we win, win in or helmets that we use during a win. Um, but this one, you know, it's actually got a bit of history to it with um, Australian motorsport because it, it's actually won the, well, I won, it won, the most races in Australian Formula Ford history. Um, it had like the most pole positions, um, most points scored during a year and fastest laps and all that sort of thing. So it's actually... Yeah, I'm going to put it back to my full no fear colours, how Sonic ran it. Um, I spoke to Mick Ritter recently and said, this is what I want to do. And he's uh, he's keen and he reckons he's still got a few bits and pieces from that car because you know, when we sold it after we were done with it at Sonic, um, a few little tricky things came off the car that um, <laughs> Sonic engineer compared to the, the other Miguel cars. Um, and apparently it's all still sitting around because obviously that's when they ran on Avon and now they're on the Yokohama. So... Um, yeah, we had to put the front rockers on, the push rods, give it a lick of paint and a bit of a 
service because it's actually in very good condition. So I'm excited. It should be here in next weekend, I think. Um, so that's cool. Yeah, uh, very cool. Very cool piece of history, personally, obviously, because it's the um, the first major national championship that you'd won outside of uh, any karting and certainly set you on your way for uh, what is now a, a well-established um, circuit racing or touring car career. But that was, as you'd sort of touched on, the car was, and yourself together with Sonic Motor Racing, was absolutely dominant. I think you won the first eight of nine races and then you won another three after that so um in in total uh just trying to do some real quick uh quick numbers here but i think you won 14 or 15 races that's right yeah year it was not off the podium at all until the fourth last race of the year so yeah she was a uh, a, a, a one that uh one that uh, not only you remember fondly but now you'll have the uh, actual machine to um to remember it where where are you going to keep this thing (laughs) yeah that's a great question uh just out the back of my courtyard of my apartment you know (laughs) nip it in there um i haven't got to that detail yet uh yeah honestly i was talking to Greg Woodrow, who used to be the Miguel importer um, back when we were racing Miguel's and up until recently, and actually bought some drive shafts off him for dad's cup car that he's gotten turned back into uh, my coat tire car. And I just said, oh, do you know where my Miguel is? So it was actually thanks to him. He's the one who's found it for us. Um, so maybe I'll just like convince him to give me some space or where I keep my go-karts, I'll try and convince Jake and his dad to give me some more space. Um, or I'll just get rid of my road car and just park it in the basement of the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's so, very cool. So Nick, who had the um, the car? Did were they racing it at the moment, or was it just in a shed? Um, it stayed at something for a year and a half, I think, after I raced it um, with Josh Hunter. Uh, did state series, and then it went to a guy who was planning to race it, but um, I think he was actually just too broad in the shoulders to even fit in a Formula Ford, so he drove it maybe once or twice and then it went to um the owner who currently has it in sydney um and he has used it twice as well so honestly think since i last drove it drove it it's probably only done 10 events or practice days um and yeah just saw the photos and it's still got like my custom brake pedal that i made when i was working at sonic to so i can actually get my foot in the pedal box it's <laughs> it's still got all the right things it's still got the witness marks and the chassis from when i canoed it a few times so it's uh it's the right one. <laughs> Good. <laughs> That's a cool little uh, memorabilia to have, I should say. Um, are you going to actually drive the thing, or is it just going to be a showpiece? No, nah, I'm driving I know that you thing. do. Yeah, I know that you do get in the cup car that your dad's got. Yeah, yeah. So I drove that recently, and then um, that was cool because all the coat side colours, and I still have the helmet and race suit to match that that car, and the same with the formal Ford. I've still got the championship winning helmet which is sitting in the cabinet at sonic so if you win the championship in formula ford or cup car or you know super two when they're in them um part of the deal is they get to keep your helmet which is pretty cool for mick and maria um so i know where the helmet is the race suit is literally in my um office i also have the boots i use as well so i'm just gonna rock up at winton for a, a test day with sonic and just have a crack um so yeah i'm looking forward to it. i don't know if I'll, I'll probably do that before i spend all the time and money making it all back to brand new. Um, I said to a few of my mates that have driven race cars before and karting that never got to actually drive um, a race car. So there's a few of my friends 
were dominant in go-karts all through our junior days. They never actually got the chance to step up due to not having the, the backing um, and they've been driving Formula 4 and they dreamed of doing it. So I think I'm actually going to put on a little day um, with them and um, give them all a skid. And we tear a corner off the thing, honestly. It's had worse things happen to it. <laughs> um, so I think it'll be pretty cool. And then, yeah, put it back in. Um, if Formula Ford and that ever want to use it, it's, it's got all the history of the sport, so it's cool. You're a good man. You're a good friend. Now, you've obviously just got back to Melbourne uh, after a long stint away. Um, tell us what it was like, you know, on the road for that, for that amount of time. Um, we spoke to you during uh, when you were away, but uh, to be away from home, um, it was a big journey for the Victorian teams. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, I was sitting exactly where I am right now with uh, when Brad called and said, hey, uh, how long does it take you to get stuff ready? And I was like, this is a weird question. Why is he asking me this? So, yeah, from whatever it was, what was it, 6th of June, July, July, um, up until a week ago, um, yeah, I was living out of a suitcase and traveling the country besides um, WA with my dog, Nelson. So um, it was interesting. Obviously, in race teams, we're all very close. Um, and like anyone, if you spend too much time with certain people, sometimes there's clashes or you just want your own space. And um, thankfully the one trick or the one card that I pulled because I had Nelson with me the whole time, I always got booked into Airbnbs. So I was always at a house or an apartment during the time. Um, so that made it a little bit easier. Um, unfortunately for me, I didn't have any friends or a girlfriend or anything or family come on the road with me like a few of the guys did you know, later in the piece. But um, yeah, it was... It was definitely eye-opening. Um, I enjoyed the driving around between rounds because it kind of gave me time to reflect on the round and debrief to myself. And, and you know, you just turn your phone off and be radio silent for a few days while you're driving. I think, you know, the, some days I was doing up to 1,800 kilometres in one day with Nelson just to make sure I, you know, did big chunks of it because I didn't want to be on the road any longer than I had to be so I could get back to the next round, do some training at the next destination you know, get all the normal stuff kind of going. So I tried to keep everything as normal as I could with my training, um, speaking to my sports psych, Anthony, um, on the same days, at, you know, same duration out from the event that I would if I was at home. So I think I did a pretty good job of it, but it was definitely weird, but there's nothing more satisfying than opening up the door, <laughs> coming home, <laughs> because everyone laughed at me. I went, I went to Albury for a few days and then I, you know, got the car and drove down and mum and dad were like, you are actually crazy. Why are you going back to Melbourne? And other people literally saw when I was back to Melbourne, they're like, oh, you've actually gone back. Like, why are you there? Your family doesn't live there. And I'm like, I don't care. I just want to go home and shut the door and sit on my own couch and not have to worry about a suitcase or anything like that. But, you know, overall, it was a pretty cool experience testing, but it was, uh, it was very cool because I've never, ever too precious to normally drive to each event. Um, I get flown around because <laughs> I prefer it way faster. But, yeah, to go through Alice Springs and go through the middle of the middle of the country um drive from virtually melbourne to sydney to queensland darwin townsville adelaide all that was uh, really cool now one thing that grant and i have spoken about on our podcast is for a lot of the victorian teams having to get in the car and go so quickly uh did you get home and open your fridge or freezer and go oh i forgot <laughs> to chuck that out was there anything moldy or did you leave a pair of jocks in the washing machine? Anything like that? Um, well, you know me well, and I'm like high attention to detail, OCD-ish kind of thing. Um, so my house got checked up once by 
twice, sorry, for the whole time I was gone. And when I walked in, it was literally spotless because I cleaned the fridge out, done all that. I'd cleaned the house before I left. So I literally came in. I only had one suitcase because I packed light. So I literally threw the stuff in the washing machine, put my suitcase away. And within 20 minutes, after a bit of a food shop, the house was back to like I hadn't left. (laughs) (laughs) So no, I was lucky. I think I had a bit, there's a lot of spiders kicking around outside. There's like webs all around the doors and windows because obviously hadn't opened up anything. But um, nah, it's just, I guess that's only the, one of the only times it's paid off to just be a clean freak. <laughs> that sounds very, very efficient. Um, just, a, uh, just a bit of a report card for yourself from 2020. A couple of race wins and a couple of podiums as well. But um uh, yeah, without being without being negative, I'm I'm sure you probably wanted, you know, just a fraction more given the um, given the speed that you were able to show at at certain events. So, what do you sort of uh, score yourself and uh, and all of those uh, looking after car eight for the year? He's a hard critic. Um, yeah. He's a hard critic, mate. Mate, no good. Hard. He had a good year. He did have a yeah. Very good year. Yeah, um, it's myself and Brad and my engineer AE sat down at the start of the year, it was in the last year, and said, where do we want to be in 12 months' time? And it was to be the top six of the championship and one podium or one race win. Um, so we ticked that. We had multiple race wins, uh, another second place at Darwin in the, in the pole position. Um, but then to fall short of being in the top six, which honestly, without a few of the gremlins we had going on in the engine side of things um, and a little bit of the service we got there and then just random, you know, the, the Chaz silly turn getting turned around and stuff like that. I think we actually left the year and kind of felt like we normally nearly failed because it was like, we actually could have been maybe fourth if we didn't have random, but the cross member at Adelaide 500 race one, like when the steering rack fell off it for no apparent reason. It was like, you know, there's this event where we got zeros and I felt like we shouldn't have. And um, yeah, so definitely successful, definitely happy with it. But then to leave Bathurst and didn't even get a shot to, you know, um, compete against, say, Fabs. Um, and then who else were we kind of in with Chaz as well? Because when we went into the event, we were like, you know, as long as we finish ahead of Chaz, uh, Fabian, and if we can put a bit of pressure on the Chaz car, you know, we could nip and be potentially fifth um so yeah it was, that was disappointing but you know i think when you sit back and look at the the championship table and i've finished seventh and uh, it's a couple of years in a row now where the this other car hasn't punched as high i feel like you know you're probably doing a good job um and you know it's obviously hard for toddy came into the team covid hit it all turned itself upside down but um yeah i think we should be proud i guess of car eight and the, the development train we're on and um sorting tracks that we were pretty average at in recent past, like Townsville, honestly, for us is normally like, we don't actually want to go. <laughs> it's normally that, that bad. Um, so then to have a cars on the front row and, and, um, and a front row lockout, it was uh, pretty mega. So I think I'd say for me personally, it was probably uh, maybe an eight out of 10, because I think without a few things outside of my control, everyone would have went, hold on a second. How's this bloke landed himself in the top five of the championship? It just, uh, didn't quite work out that way so it kind of fuels me even more to next year to keep proving that the car is actually really fast and um 
more people should want to drive it. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's a good, it's a good jet at the moment. And the, the shootout lap at Bathurst probably proved that mm. when we get it together and I'm happy to risk that much, it, it can do the lap. Yeah, I was going to mention the um, shootout lap because watching it on the TV in the garage, it was a really nice tidy lap and uh, the speed that you produced um, was sensational. But, you know, talk us through a shootout lap like that. You don't really get a lot of lead up. You do a couple of simulations during the day, but then to sort of sit around for quite a while and then just believe that this thing is going to stick and you're going to do a four flat or whatever it is, um, it's a big old lap to be able to trust that generally you'd build up to that over a session, you know, over a couple of sets of tires, but then to just be, you know, all out, here we go. And hopefully it makes it through and, and knowing that you've got a big day um, on Sunday to, ahead of you. Yeah. Say for us traditionally at BJR, we, in a session where you get multiple sets of tires, we are good at say often at Adelaide, we'll qualify inside the top five, and then actually qualify the top 10 shootout poorly because the car doesn't seem to hook up with one set. Like it's like we need a few little goes at it to get it right. And then obviously during qualifying itself, um, the lap I did wasn't really representative of what I could do. So I was, a, I was confident that it could do, I said all along from Thursday, I'm like, once we let it go and I, want to have a crack and I think it's the right time to have a crack. It'll do a low four. Mm. Um, I think they just kind of kept hearing it and it was like, well, you haven't done it yet. And it's like, well, <laughs> we, just, we just qualified without a shift cut. We still made the top 10 shootout. Um, there's a lot of time in that, as you know, TD, like literally using the clutch on the up change rather than the, the gear cut pulling it through. And, yeah. um, and then the practice sessions, we actually had power steering failures and we had the thing running on seven cylinders. So we actually never ran a, that never had a smooth session. So, when I rolled out the pits, I literally thought to myself, what is going to happen here? Because normally if we've done a four seven in quali, I think, you know, we might just match it or go slightly slower. And that's traditional from me, Slady, and yeah. over the years of BJR. So then when I came up to one, I thought, I think that was actually better than what it's been in previous years to the reference lap in the dash. So I was like, okay, this is good. And then we're getting so late on the brakes at turn two now, I thought, all right, I'll just sneak a bit more up at turn two because it's actually pretty safe being uphill and if you if you're like a front or anything like that you just run wide you're not you got to go pretty big to make the fence at turn two and then that gave me the confidence heading up to the cutting and then um you know from the kind of from the entry to the cutting to forest elbow it was like the coolest experience of my supercar life because it, it just hooked up and i felt like i could use all the road comfortably it never scared me um i didn't have to think about using the brake press pedal from the cutting to skyline. Um, and it was all just rolling off the throttle and um, it had enough front, it had enough rear. It was just, it was actually quite a pleasure to drive. And then it was, it was just very cool when I came off Forest Elbow and realized that the lap was going to be quite good. And then I thought to myself, well, we've come this far. I might as well still have a dip at the chase and <laughs> see if it sticks. And, um, and it did. And the only spot it honestly didn't work for me. It was, um, we probably just, overpressured on the on the front tires a little bit and it just understood the last corner maybe cost half a tenth there but overall it was honestly the best life of my life and the best car i've had in a shootout so it was um it was very satisfying and obviously to do it first it's like you said i didn't know if the track was like going to be a 205 or a 203 track because you got overcast so it's sort of rain it was so cold and sometimes when the track gets that cold you, you actually have no grip so 
it all worked out. And, you know, honestly, I know we got excluded from the weight drama, but um, to put enough that, pressure that on crazy. people, yeah, to put enough pressure on Jamie and stuff that they made a mistake because they knew the lap time to be on pole was going to be bloody fast. It was, it was actually quite cool to see them make mistakes trying to chase that time. So that was definitely the highlight of your Bathurst 1000. The, uh, the, the, as you say, the, um, the penalty in that, uh, in that session was a downer and then Sunday was, was a complete downer as well. It's been well documented. So let's not uh, go uh, too much over, over that. I'm sure you'll appreciate that, but 2021, what, what changes and what, what's that sit down chat that you and Brad will have to talk about the goals for next year do how much do they shift i don't think it'll shift that much um you know when i look at it now it's like there might be opportunity earlier in the year to maybe grab a few better results obviously with the djr drivers changing so you know no different to when scotty first went there mclaughlin that is um crazy fast but made mistakes wasn't winning as often then it obviously all came together so there might be opportunity to get a few runs on the board over those guys early. But honestly, I think it's going to be as hard as ever. I think Chaz will come out a bit stronger next year with that car. Um, we've got a few little improvements coming. I think Cam Waters is going to be really quick. And honestly, he'll take it to the whoever it is he's battling for, you know, honestly, the championship, because I think he's quite confident at the moment. So I think realistically, we'll probably sit down and say we want to be inside the top top five at the end of the year and have the same amount of race wins and maybe a couple more podiums that we probably just missed out on um, during the year. And honestly, it'll, it'll just be making sure we get everyone pushing as hard as ever. And um, I feel like we'll have the so the power steering thing. That's We've got that under control now. We've realized what that was and um, we'll never run those spec O-rings again. <laughs> we didn't even know we're running them, but uh, and it, you know, and stuff like Adelaide, I don't, expect the power steering to fall out of it on the warm-up lap. So, you know, we'll gain some points back there. And then um, I just want to have another solid year and hopefully Todd can go that little bit better as well and help the team's championship. So for us, I think it'll be same thing, but we might move the goalpost a little bit further forward in uh, in the driver's championship. Yeah, really important that for, for yourself, I guess, that your teammates, particularly Todd, um, really step up. Uh, is that a um, is that a priority for you to to help drive him and and push him? We saw him qualify with and near you on on a couple of occasions, but um, yeah, just consistent results kind of let him down a little bit. But um, I think the raw speed is 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 almost there. Just needs it a little bit more often. Do you agree with that? Yeah, he um, yeah he does it. He does, he runs his whole life and program quite different to the way. I go about it. So he's a bloody hard worker, you know, with all these sponsors and getting all that side of things happening where I'm, I don't have to worry about that. So I guess there's a bit more going on for him rather than just driving the car. So I think in an ideal world for him, he would probably prefer to be out of just concentrating on driving. So, you know, that's, that's his side of things, but if he can, I think he will improve and just be more consistent. The speed's there. Um, there's no doubt everyone knows on a new tire, Todd in the past, in that triple eight car last year, a couple of times out qualified the factory team and, and stuff like that. So when it all goes perfectly for him, he can pull the lap out of it. But, you know, I just think a little few things in races and maybe a little bit of race craft at the start to make sure you don't get in a bit of drama is um, probably what tripped him up this year. But 
obviously he's come from qualifying closer to the back where it's like sheep stations and then suddenly he's up near the 10 more often or in it you probably don't need to drive so much like you're in the sheep stations um so i think that kind of tripped him up a few times this, this year so i think he'll tidy himself up and come back stronger next year and hopefully you know we can keep pushing the car in the right direction and it'll be as fast as it was this year and we'll just have some more championship points for the team it, it looks like uh, he drives the car quite a bit different to you. He's not scared of the things sliding around and he's he's generally leaving some black lines on exits of corners and things like that, whereas you're quite smooth in the car uh, and quite tidy. Do, do you guys vary a setup quite a bit? Um, definitely, yeah. He has a way he likes to set the car up. Um, I'd say nine times out of ten, it would start similar and very different. Um, and then he might come back to my setup later in the weekend or late in the day. Um, if they can't get their kind of philosophy to work um, or hit the way he wants it to go. Um, so I guess, you know, for us at Car, we're just the known quantity. We're always running the philosophy that we always speak about and kind of the recipe that AE has dreamed up or engineered and engineered the car in a certain way. And, you know, I just like to drive it. And um, I've adapted my driving style quite a lot over the last couple of years to drive it the way say BJR think we need to get the speed out of it. So um, the way I actually attack the corner now is way different to the way I attacked it 18 months ago. So yeah, Todd drives it with probably a little bit more flair, but I look at that as just eating the tire off the thing. So mm-hmm. I uh, prefer the neat, neat look. And if you ever look at a car that's winning races, be it in supercars, F1, world rally, they're not full sideways. They're driving forward and going um, and not leaving witness mark so yeah but he he drives it i think it might be his background from um the dirt cart stuff he i don't mind it moving but he will literally just have it sitting sideways like he's on the cushion so it's <laughs> it is different um but yeah it works for him if it hooks up it works 100 it's hard to beat as well because it's um it is very sharp in the front and if it does hook up on the green sometimes it will 100 be quicker than the way um we cut it up on my car so just hard in the race, I think. Now, Nick, we thank you for joining us on Parked Up. The uh, just uh, just one last question. Uh, we, we spoke a lot about Todd there, but we didn't speak about the other two teammates that oh, you yeah. generally uh, share some uh, share some garage space with in Macaulay Jones and Jack Smith. Now, um, yeah, just younger younger guys. Macaulay's got a bit of experience now, but uh, Jack certainly uh, first first full time year in the main championship, what do you feel their progress has been like and, uh, and and what do you think they should be aiming for? Um, yeah, firstly, you know, I obviously know Macaulay really well because I've been around the team for a long time now and actually live with him during this whole COVID time. Everywhere we stayed, we stayed together. So it was quite cool. And he traveled the, most of the road trips with me. So, um, yeah, it was, I think he made a pretty big step up uh, in his qualifying speed this year. Um, we actually saw him actually kind of being there, thereabouts with Todd. Um, and same thing, you know, then you were the race craft and that side of things then needs to be a little bit better when you're racing a, towards the front. Uh, but the only way you get that experience is qualifying the thing up there more often than not. So I think we'll see another improvement from Macca. He, um, he's had a few, you know, like he has had a smooth sail into main game. <laughs> he's had some pretty big crashes and failures that, no fault of his own um and then you know it takes away a whole weekend from him or he ends up having to drive in a car that has been repaired overnight or something like that so you know it was good to see how he came on this year and 
you know, hopefully kind of being around me a bit more, he kind of saw the way I go about it. And, um, you know, I'm a big believer in that I drive the car and obviously I interact with my engineer quite a lot, but it's up to the engineer to, that's his job to make the car faster. Um, I probably stepped away a little bit from being so involved in what's in the car to the point where I nine times out of 10 don't know what is in the car spring wise and all that kind of thing. Um, so he's probably still in the phase of really, really involved in that side of things. And I think sometimes that can just cloud your, your view on it and you're thinking about that rather than just driving the car. So I think that's where he made improvements. He took a little bit of a step back. He drove a bit better. So hopefully next year he makes another little step and you know, I'd be, you'd probably be disappointed if he wasn't hovering around, hovering around inside the top 15, just clearly the car's good enough to do it. Um, and then Jack, <laughs> Jack is, He's my favourite person ever. He gets a hard rap, but he is like comedy gold for us at BJR. And he has actually quite good feedback. Everyone obviously thinks he's just there because, but it's um, he wants to do well. And he his feedback is actually quite good in the car. Um, he just, yeah, he just needs more experience as well. It's so hard now. I think when I look back to when I joined in the main game in 2014, there was a bigger field spread and you're like, okay, it was close then and now it's closer now. I would hate to be a rookie coming into the championship at the moment because it is so tight. We're at the end of the line with car of the future or this, this generation. They're so tuned. The drivers are so in tune with them. It's hard. Say for me, I sometimes I'm like, how did I qualify second in 2014 at Townsville or come third at Bathurst or, you know, me and Scotty at Eastern Creek battling for the win. It's like, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> like what the hell? And now I have all this experience. And it's harder to do it. So I think he'll go, a little bit better. It will still be hard for him next year. And then um, the, the following year, if he continues on with it, would probably be his year to start looking at being inside the top 15, um, where Macaulay probably will be or hopefully is next year. Great. Thank you. Amazing insight from yourself, Nick Perkett. We thank you so much for joining us on the Parked Up podcast. Uh, Tony was uh, thrilled to have you uh, come come back on. <laughs> you yes. good too, Tony. Looking good. Ah, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> and Nick, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll speak to you again very shortly. Thanks for joining yes, us. Yeah, good. Yeah. Thank we'll you. We'll catch up soon, mate. Catch Sounds up for good. a cafe, for a brew. No, we're allowed back out now, so. Yeah, that's right. And that was great to grab Nick Perkat on the line for an extended chat. That was uh, that was really good and gave some really good, interesting insight into how BJR are currently going at the moment. I'll tell you one thing with Nick, if you jump on, next time uh, all you people out there are on Facebook. Tony, do you have Facebook? Do you use that, Absolutely. that, that thing? Oh, there you go. Um, so Nick did this short piece for our great friends at Race Fuels. Have you heard of Race Fuels, Tony? Yes, I have. Uh-huh. And uh, I saw the little piece that he did. Did you film that? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Oh, Some of my handiwork. <laughs> Keeping me going. Uh, yeah, so uh, so check that out. Nick went for a bit of a tour through the uh, Race Fuels headquarters down there in Dandenong South. Of course, they are open for retail sales. They will look after you. Uh, and you can find them all over the internet. All you got to do is type in race fuels. If you need me to spell it, you're probably not in the market for buying <laughs> race fuels. So, so no stress. Okay. Another episode of the parked up podcast powered by race fuels is almost come to an end, Tony, but very quickly, just tell us a little bit about your starring role on the block. Unbelievable. Um, unbelievable Primetime scenes. TV. 
Yeah, unbelievable scenes, mate. Now, uh, yeah, we did do a day at Sandown with Dean Samet's uh, Evolve Driver Training. Now, Dean was a sponsor of ours uh, in the early episodes, and he gave away some drink bottles and hats and bits and pieces. Yep, very so kind. I do, yeah, very kind. He's got a little connection with Ford, and Ford sponsored the block. So they're like, right, let's do a day at Sandown. We'll get the contestants out there. We'll set some challenges up. Uh, and we had Cameron Waters come down, set some lap times. I said, mate, I can do it. Don't worry. No stress. And they said, we need a current V8 supercar driver, Tony. Okay. <sighs> and I said, oh, okay. It's hurt my feelings. But anyway, so I was literally the lead weight in the passenger seat, just trying to uh, keep these cars on track. And it was wet at Sandown, um, which is quite tight in a couple of areas. But the contestants did a great job. Um, we got to thrash around a few Mustangs. Uh, we had the new uh, Rob Herod aspect there as well, which looked amazing. Uh, and we did a little challenge in the car park. Cameron Waters had a transit van and he was up against the contestants in a little Ford Focus. So they had a, a massive advantage, but Cameron still smashed their time on the <laughs> little motorcana that we set up. So it was a lot of fun. The guy behind the block, Julian, is actually a mad car nut. He comes to a lot of... Dean's days all around the country, came to Bathurst and I actually sat in the passenger seat with him at Bathurst. I didn't know who he was, didn't know anything about him. And I said, oh, what do you do for work? He goes, oh, I'm a TV producer. I said, oh, okay, yeah, well, I do any shows that I'd know? And he goes, oh, have you heard of The Block? <laughs> and I'm like, you're joking, aren't you? So yeah, he's the, he's the main man behind The Block. So it was quite interesting because when they're filming The Block that we see on TV, he's obviously got you know, hundreds of people behind the scenes making it work, editing all the episodes and uh, making sure everyone's safe and, you know, all the contestants are looked after, all that sort of stuff. But Three when... minutes later. <laughs> My Lord. It's a, I good, love that. a good show. I like it. Um, but in between time, when they're just trying to find a new location, there's only like two or three of them. So Julian's the main man. He, he's the, uh, the brains behind it all. And uh, it was just cool to get a bit, bit of insight into that world. Um, but deep down, he's a real car nut and loves driving his Porsche around the racetrack. And uh, he did a couple of laps on the day as well. I won't actually say how he went because that was uh, a little oh, wow. bit embarrassing. Yeah, oh. but it was very slippery. Damage? Down. Was there was there damage involved in this story? No, but uh, we did go around the track, and he Back. was behind us. And yep. then the next lap, where he was behind us, there was suddenly some marks through the grass. Oh some fresh marks literally <laughs> on his first lap. Um, but yeah, down into turn two at Sandown in the wet is like the slipperiest corner in the world. So I, I, uh, I can see why he went off, but um, I think he just put the track day on just so he could have a thrash around Sandown himself. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> when you're the boss, these are the, uh, these are the things that you do. All right, cool. Well, that was good. And if anyone wants to catch up with that, you can watch some catch up TV and look at uh uh, last night's episode of The Block, which you'll find on the Nine Network, and you'll see Tony D's shining face, which no doubt got most of the airtime. I'm sure most of the story was just about you. Uh, yeah, you'll have to look pretty hard, actually. <laughs> <laughs> look for this little person in the background jumping up and down, waving his arms. Cool. Okay, that's it. Parked up, powered by Race Fields. We're done, and we'll see you next week.